Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a rec- recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors. Hello and welcome to a brand new season of First Look ETF. I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide, wishing everyone a great start to 2023. Coming up on today's show, hedging your investment portfolio against rising stock market volatility. We'll examine new ETFs built to dampen the downside in stocks. Plus, we'll discuss a pair of new actively managed ETFs in the ESG category, One fund taps the power of artificial intelligence to select companies. The other fund is focused on companies with steady revenue and dividends. Before we move on, let's get a quick recap of the latest ETF launches. We've got Douglas Jonas with the New York Stock Exchange joining us now. Hi, Douglas. It's great to see you. Hi, Stephanie. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Let's get started diving into the latest on the ETF launch activity. Yeah, I mean, look, December capped off an unbelievable year in so many ways. 2022, super busy uh, and not the greatest market conditions. We've talked about that all year long, but in ETF world, it was great market conditions. Uh, We launched 35 ETFs in December, raising $1.4 billion in new cash flow. And, you know, the pace just never really slowed down. Year to date, 426 new ETFs launched $46 billion in cash flow. Wow. Yeah, it certainly was an incredible year. Um, What other important trends for 2023 in the ETF marketplace are you going to be taking a look at? Do you expect to see that same momentum? Yeah, we expect a lot of trends will continue. You know, we we covered active all year long. Last year, 59% of all launches were actively managed ETFs. So really 2022, yet another year of active management. When we capped off the year, we had over 3,000, 3,075 ETFs in the U.S. now, $6.5 trillion in assets under management. 31% of the industry is now active management. But really cash flow, I mean, a really tough year, 2022. But net cash flow for ETFs, $620 billion in net cash flow. So a lot of focus on the growth of ETFs. We know that's going to continue. We're really covering a lot of themes. Of course, this episode will dive deep into it. But for 2023, what are we looking for? We think there's going to be a continued focus on ESG. Again, this episode will cover it. A continued focus on active management. This episode will cover it. And strategies for the new year. Again, this episode will cover it. Uh, you know, ETFs that, that are a little bit more strategic as well as tactical ETFs that can handle market volatility that'll help your portfolio. We think that's going to continue throughout 2023. 
Good stuff. Douglas Jonas, thank you so much. Joining us from the NYSE, it's great to see you. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Look forward to watching the rest of the episode. And just a quick reminder that you can now watch First Look ETF on Amazon Fire TV and Roku. So be sure to check us out there. Also, we simulcast First Look ETF at iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and other major podcasting platforms. So be sure to check that out as well. The bumpy ride in stocks and bonds has more investors searching for ways to manage rising volatility and risk. So how can investors navigate volatile markets while staying disciplined? Well, here to discuss new ETFs built to dampen volatility is Johan Grun, head of ETFs at Allianz Investment Management. Johan, welcome to the program. It's great to have you. Thank you much, Stephanie. It's good to see you. So your latest ETF additions join Allianz's Buffered Outcome ETF lineup. What are Buffered Outcome ETFs and how do they work? Yeah, simply put, they're innovative ETFs uh, that will allow investors to participate in the equity markets on the upside, but they will also be receiving a very defined predetermined buffer on the downside so that they have a safety net underneath their investment in equity markets. Let's take a deeper dive into the strategy behind these buffered outcome ETFs. So we've got ETF ticker symbols, Jan T and Jan W. Uh, Break those down for us. Tell us a little bit more about the strategy for these. Yeah, the the beauty really of of this ETF lineup is the uh, simplicity. So we we offer a two point, you know, we have either 10% or 20% buffers. Uh, They're tracking the performance of the S&P 500. Actually, it's the S&P, the Spider S&P 500, so SPY. And uh, they both reset the cap uh, and the buffer on a 12-month basis. You can really hold them indefinitely. They don't mature at the end of this outcome period. And uh, in terms of the, the strategy itself, it's, it's what's happening under the hood. We, we customize options contracts. Effectively, we're building this buffer by buying a put option at the money. We sell a put option either 10 or 20% out of the money. And then we sell a call to fund that. And that uh, selling of the call is effectively what creates the cap on the ETF. Got it. Okay, so Jan T versus Jan W. Give us the specifics. Jan T, Jan W. What are the differences of those ETF ticker symbols? Yeah, so Jan T, that's the one that comes with a 10% buffer and uh, roughly 20% upside for 2023. Jan W comes with a 20% buffer and uh, give or take 15% upside potential for 2023. So really, really what it means is that if we have a if you look at the 20% buffer as a Jan W, if we have a really bad market in 2023, let's say the S&P 500 is down by 25%, then you lose 20. But if the market is down by 20% or less, then you're flat with the market. If it's up by 15% or less, then you capture the whole gain. And if the market is up by more than 15%, that would be really nice, then you will still get that 15% on the upside. Oh, interesting. So, and you mentioned that um, that investors can hold these as well. How do you see these funds being used inside a diversified portfolio by financial advisors and the like? Yeah, so we see uh, many different use cases, and you can be very technical and tactical if you would uh, if you want to. But the four key use cases: uh, one would be if you want to de-risk your current equity position. Uh, this tends to be the case for you know as you're sliding on that scale of becoming a little more conservative in your portfolio, for example, or if you're worried about the Fed and rate hikes and recessions and you're concerned about equities in general, then we see a lot of advisors and investors moving some of their equity core equity holdings into buffered ETFs. In this case, typically it's the 10% buffer because it has a higher upside potential. The the second use case would be uh, investors that are concerned about rising rates or concerned about their bond allocations not quite keeping up with inflation, 
they tend to be moving into our 20% buffer as it gives a pretty hefty uh, downside risk mitigation, uh, but still a, a hefty, nice upside potential. Third quick use case here is just uh, investors that are tired of losing buying power in their cash holdings. It helps them become a little bit braver perhaps and put money to work in the equity market without going all the way into a risky equity position. And then uh, uh, finally perhaps then the, uh, what we also see is that many uh, investors look at this as an alternative asset class to what they already own and then they will either supplement or replace their alternative equity sleeve in their portfolios. Johan Gran with Allianz, thank you so much for joining us here today on First Look ETF. It's great to have you with us. Thank you much. There is really no concrete consensus of ESG factors, and from an investment angle, it's caused chaos and confusion among investors. Well, that may be one reason why ESG has come under fire in some circles. Nevertheless, expectations for the ESG trend are still high. According to a Dow Jones survey taken last year of 200 financial leaders, ESG investments are projected to more than double in the next three years, accounting for 15% of all investments by 2025. Well, here to discuss all of it, along with a new ETF targeting ESG strategies, is Kyle Balkasun, partner and portfolio manager with Stance Capital. Hi, Kyle. It's great to see you. Hi, Stephanie. Happy 2023, and I'm happy to be here. Yes, same to you. So before we get into the details of your ETF, tell us more about the ESG landscape and the latest investing trends surrounding it. I think we need to kind of avoid the usage of the term ESG too broadly. We at Stance are kind of more of a belief in that investors can better align their capitals with value. We tend to view view ESG as just a way to kind of, whether it's by data, whether it's by research, just encapsulate those values into ways we can make investment decisions or at least um, reduce the investable universe or find kind of subsets that give clients some utility or some kind of more alignment with their investing practices, with their moral compass, or simply their systems of belief. So there's the E, the S, and the G. And within those, you can have metrics all over the map from not only just board um, gender diversity to board racial diversity. You can have you can have some groups that focus on water, some groups that focus on carbon, uh, some faith-based groups that care about reproductive issues or how aligned is a business's practices with a certain core tenets of that faith. So I'd say we do highly expect um, this asset class and area to grow, especially when combined with advances in technology. In that if we can build portfolios that are not only more aligned with client values, but we can optimize the risk in certain ways that they kind of track more broadly the asset class that clients want, or even deliver theoretically superior risk to return profile if executed properly, we, we, we at Stance believe that there's um, a lot of opportunity out there. And that's why we've actually built a, a business around it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the term ESG, it is so broad, as you pointed out. And of course, it was been highly politicized in 2022. Um, so that is an interesting point that you make uh, about it being just so broad. So the Stance ESG large cap ETF, let's get into that. Your ticker is STNC. It is actively managed and it focuses on established companies. What are some of the fund's top holdings and why do you think an active approach is better versus a passive strategy? I'll unpack that question a bit. In terms of our top holdings leading up towards the end of last year, we were generally underweight tech with respect to the S&P 500. 
We did have some tech, but more what I call margin slash established tech. Uh, Cisco, Take-Two, we had Lowe's, Home Depot in there. Those aren't tech, obviously. Uh, Pfizer. So we had names that were kind of more what I call core American economy um, versus very growthy mega cap or names where investors were expecting companies to execute on very ambitious growth. When I mean growth, I don't mean users or stuff like that. I mean revenue growth targets or market share targets to actually achieve those valuations. And the funny thing is, kind of going back to our strategy, we didn't actually pick that. It wasn't Bill that's my business partner and co-PM or, or, or Kyle, me having to pick those. That was actually done systematically. We follow an investment process that's a bit different in that we are firm believers in not only values and alignment, so identifying which names in the S&P are more aligned with our clients' values. Our core product, STNC, has a series of around 24 different ESG KPIs. We source um, what I call red flags or bad lists from a series of interested organizations, some mean NGOs, some gov government linked, and some even pension plans or other investment groups that have decided to compile these. We have a, what I call a, a sector and industry-based scoring approach. So we effectively identify names more aligned with our clients' values, but that doesn't mean we're gonna invest in them. Uh, we've been using, as a firm, we've been using machine learning and AI models for just over nine years now. So we have a high degree of confidence, experience with them and evidence as to kind of what works and what doesn't in terms of execution. So we use those models to formulate an investment viewpoint, meaning we are of the belief or our systems are of the belief that these names will outperform. Put the two together, values align with our clients, expected outperformance, and those are what we call portfolio candidates. But we're also kind of crazy, or at least I think we are, about risk management. So we have our own in-house built optimizer that tries to assign weights to those companies to reduce tail risk as far as we can. We think that did very well for us last year in that um, we put up some pretty good relative to benchmark numbers. Obviously, nobody likes being down. But, um, but, but I'd say that kind of approach of active in the sense of having an investment view and a risk management view and values alignment, we think uh, will, will be something to, to see more of as we, as the space grows and as I think clients get more comfortable with um, being able to allocate capital into those areas. So then how would you see STNC being used as part of an overall portfolio? I think personally it could be used as a core U.S. large cap replacement. Um, you can replace like your SPY or whatever big large cap tracking product you have with it. Um, I would say obviously the core things about STNC that are different is it's actively managed, meaning it's going to be it's going to be making more concentrated bets in some areas. Although with the mega cap names as is, the max weight in the S&P is larger than the max weight of us right now. So that that whether that or not that's the case forever, I, I don't know. Uh, we tend to run a lower beta. So the beta of the product with respect to the S&P has kind of been around 0.8 something. So that's a bit lower and it tends to have a slightly less vol. So what I've seen some other clients do is they paired it up with a, um, with a more growthy strategy to kind, of, to kind of net out to be the same as the market. But you have STNC more as the defensive part and you have a, another more growthy product as your offensive and they kind of balance out. But I'd say... I view it as a U.S. large cap replacement, and depending on what flavor client wants, it can either be a pure replacement or paired with something more growthy. All right. Kyle Balkasun with Stance Capital, thank you so much for joining us here today on First Look ETF. Thank you very much, and have a great day.
Energy stocks enjoyed big gains in 2022, but the massive trend in global decarbonization appears to be upending and reshaping the energy sector. So how can you tap into the renewable energy trend? We're pleased to introduce Mike Sarasoli, the portfolio manager of the TrueShares Eagle Global Renewable Energy Income ETF. Hi, Mike. It's great to see you. Thank you, Stephanie, for having me on. Absolutely. So before we discuss your latest ETF, there is a lot happening in the renewable energy space. What are the latest trends and why should investors pay attention? Yeah, so so the most interesting thing happening today is what we've called the green arms race. And, and this is a global phenomenon on public policy and Wall Street. And this all breeds innovation, uh, which bolsters Main Street support. It's what we've historically called the virtuous cycle of investing in renewable energy. On, on public policy, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, I'm sure you've dissected this ad infinitum at this point, but the reaction overseas may, may be a little less reported. And, and what I mean by that is that public policy usually begets more public policy, and you're seeing more governmental action. As an example, Italy's economy minister is publicly urging an EU-wide response to IRA, and South Korea wants to cooperate. Um, so there's this jockeying for position that is happening across the globe as it terms as it pertains to public policy. Uh, Wall Street financing has slowed to some degree because of the recent mar- market volatility. Uh, but a recent article said large companies they raised you know 1.15 trillion in 2022. This is I believe green bonds and sustainable bonds, uh, which is down only from 1.3 trillion in 2021. And that's you know. Considering the market uncertainty, I comfortably believe that Wall Street is still very open for renewable energy investments. And, and this all this, this Wall Street and this public policy begets innovation. And it's, of course, on single sub-industries. So expect to see more advancements in solar and wind. Um, but another trend to watch is for what something else we've called is sort of a cross-selling of renewable energy. And as an example, if you look at what AES and Air Products recently announced, a $4 billion project to build, own, and operate a green hydrogen facility in Texas. And the idea is is that you generate electricity from solar and wind and take that electricity and produce hydrogen. Uh, And that will help solve a lot of different issues, this cross-selling of renewables to solve problems like reliability. And then just because we don't like to sugarcoat things too much, you know, what does concern us is high inflation and rising interest rates. Uh, This has been, there hasn't been a real strong headwind within renewable energy infrastructure as yet um, because it's been uh, complemented by high energy prices. And so our companies have still been able to get contracts signed. um, But, you know, it's something that we're following very closely as we head into 2023. Yeah, absolutely. But it is good to hear that innovation is still moving forward despite this current environment with rates and and the economy in general. Um, Let's talk about the strategy behind the TrueShares Eagle Global Renewable Energy Income ETF, and that is your ticker RNWZ. It is an actively managed fund and it takes a unique approach by focusing on dividend payers in the renewable energy space. Tell us more about this. Yeah, RNWZ renews. Um, so two points to make here. The first is that, you know, we noticed that there's a gap in the market for long-term total return focused investors interested in renewables that our ETF seeks to fill. And then second, that the market also lacks an ETF at all. We, you know, there are other products out there, but not one like an ETF and an active manager that specifically has a, has a strong track record in infrastructure. 
Uh, we started looking at renewables infrastructure in 2015, among the earliest to do so. And, and we noticed that renewables infrastructure was a natural extension of what we look for fundamentally in investments. Eagle Global is the we are energy infrastructure investors. And so we started incorporating these stocks selectively into our broader infrastructure funds in 2015. And we took it a step further in December with our recently now uh, recently launched active ETF renews RNWZ. And so what do we look for? Critical infrastructure, reliable cash flows, dividend income generating stocks, which is very different than what's available out there today. Uh, on that last point, we estimate renews Dividend yield will come in between three to four percent currently, and we forecast roughly five to eight percent annual growth over the next three years, which is tied to this huge energy transition megatrend. Um, renewables infrastructure is unique because it's still, believe it or not, renewables infrastructure is an emerging asset class tied to a multi-decade megatrend. I mean, you've heard this, you've seen it in the news. Experts expect trillions of dollars to be invested over multiple decades as we as a society seek to stabilize and reduce our impact on the planet. Um, and so your options as an investor, you can invest in either the manufacturers, the raw material miners, engineering construction companies, battery companies, et cetera. Um, but they come with very high risk. And so what we're offering with Renews is a an opportunity to own the owners and operators of these assets that typically have very long-term stable contracts uh, that result in paying a pretty substantial dividend yield. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it, it does sound interesting and exciting. So uh, with that being said, how do you see Renews being deployed by investors and financial advisors inside a diversified portfolio? Yeah, sure. So at the risk of overgeneralizing everyone's investment portfolios, I believe that we all have a portion of play money and then the bulk of your wealth is in retirement money or um, safer money. Uh, the, the play money part of my portfolio, it's fun, it's small dollars, but it's fun, ultimately higher risk, hopefully higher reward. Um, and it's actually where you'll find a lot of the renewable energy, you know, emerging tech investments today. Uh, my retirement money is in typically large caps, blue chip, other safe, stable growers like utilities and infrastructure. And so our elevator pitch has long been that renewables infrastructure should fit in that part of your portfolio, retirement money, because it offers compelling income generating risk adjusted returns over the long term that are supported by steadily increasing cash flows tied to the multi-decade megatrend that is energy transition. So when people ask where RNWZ renews, where it should fit, we say it fits into your retirement section. It fits with the income generation, rateable growth, and of course, uh, it's making an impact. All right, Mike, we will take that elevator pitch. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing more about Renews. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. And that does it for today's episode of First Look ETF. If you enjoyed the show, tell us in the comment section below and by hitting the like button. A big thanks to all of our guests, along with Douglas Jonas at the New York Stock Exchange. Be sure to check out homeofetfs.com to learn more. I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time.
Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a rec- recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors.